Can anything good come from Nazareth? Ever feel small, unimportant, or feel like you can't be used to make an impact? Well, you're in the right place. I'm Mallory. And I'm Holly. And welcome to Small Town Big Kingdom. We believe even small people from small places can be used for His big kingdom. Through open and honest conversations about real life struggles, we hope to dive deeper into His Word and how we can apply it to the small places and spaces of our lives. So click subscribe and join us as we chat with Bibles open and coffee in hand. Good morning. Hi. Welcome back. We are starting out again with our favorite worship song for the week. That's right. We remembered. Because <laughs> <laughs> we forget. <laughs> Everything. Yeah. Um, this one is... I don't... Not a new one, but I just like it. It's called Start a Fire by Unspoken. I'm always holding my breath when you go to say yours because I'm like, one of these days, we're going to be the same. Yeah, we're going to match. Because we don't tell each other ahead of time. So if you haven't heard that one, go give it a look-see and listen to it. It's United Pursuit, right? Well, this one's by Unspoken. Unspoken, okay. Um. It's pretty good. You can jam out to it in your car. All right. Me and the kids jammed out to it this morning. I love it. I love a good Jesus jam. Well, mine is newer. And I'm sure everyone knows these this group, but it's Elevation Worship, of course, because they are awesome. Um, and it's Trusting God, and it's featuring Chris Brown. But I love the part where um, it, it kind of is a mashup song where it brings in the old Blessed Assurance. That's how it oh, kind yeah. of starts out. But it has such a proclamation of how I sought the Lord and he answered. And it's just so, to me, powerful that I can sing that promise over myself that when I seek him, he always promises to answer. So I like Have you been listening song. to them on repeat? Yeah. We're going to their concert, us and some of our friends, and we are so We're excited. so excited. Yeah. They're awesome. So yeah, go check them out. We hope that um, they inspire you and give you peace and joy as you listen and um, share, maybe send us some messages. What are you guys' favorite worship songs right now? We'd love to hear it. All right, guys, welcome back. We um, are doing another episode this week with our amazing friend, Pam. Um, She is um, such an inspiration to me. I think Mallory and I, we've only known her, what, like a few months? Yeah. But man, I mean, she is such a mentor already of um, the journey that she's taken in her life with family and kids and um, religion. It's amazing. But this week we are going to talk about forgiveness and she's going to tell us all about her journey and where it has taken her to both personally and spiritually. Yes, she, um, this all started, she started coming to the women's Bible study at our church on Wednesday nights and she shared her testimony. And I knew before that she had wrote a couple books, but I wasn't, I didn't know exactly what I was in them and I hadn't read them yet. And so after she shared her testimony, I shared it with Holly and I said, I really feel like we should have her on. So you guys have already heard a large portion of what she's walked through in her life. This part is specifically about, I think we kind of told you a tidbit at the end of the last episode, but 
about um, her meeting the man that actually killed her husband, her first husband, and um, just what that walk looked like of her going and meeting him and forgiving him. And from what she's, it probably had more of an impact on her than it did on him. But I think it did, cha it did change his life. Um, so y'all just tune in and listen. And I hope that you guys can get something out of it. And maybe there's something in your life or someone in your life that you need to let go of and forgive. So thank y'all. All right. Check it out. Okay, guys, we are back with Miss Pam and we are going to talk about The Search to Forgive, which is her other book that talks about um, a journey of forgiveness in her life. And so to start that, um, we're going to start in by letting her tell us just a little bit about how she actually came to start a real relationship with Christ. Absolutely. Thank you for giving me this opportunity and this more than all the things that I said before about my life and all is nothing in compare to what it's okay. Christ <laughs> has done in my life. And that's the exciting part. And that's what I'm excited to share with you today. Um, Ray and I were married in South Carolina and moved to Osceola, his hometown, um, about a year and a half after that. And we started going to church together. And um, he wanted to go on the walk to Emmaus, and I'd never heard of that before. And it was really unusual for him to want to do something like that without saying anything to me or talking about it. Um, but when he came home from his weekend, he was a different person. He was like, he's, he's a man of few words, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but to see him, you know, um, with all this, this hope and all this excitement about what he went through, but he couldn't tell me because when he went, then I decided I wanted to go. <laughs> so it was like a mystery to me, but I just thought whatever he got there, I hope I get. I want, I want that. <laughs> <laughs> I want some of that because it, it, it was just totally transformed. And so I did go on the walk to Emmaus and, um, I grew up in a, in a home where my mother took me to church every Sunday and, um, Part of it was in Latin and part of it was in English. Oh, wow. So, um, and, and that was not unusual. It was, um, you would have the English on one side and the Latin on the other side. So uh, I didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus. I knew who he was and what he did for us. But to me, it wasn't personal uh, until I went on the walk to Emmaus and I met him personally. It was, it was an amazing three days. I was afraid that if I went, I wouldn't get what Ray got. <laughs> so, not knowing anything about it, it was. Don't tell us too much about it because we're going no, on it. No, I'm not, I'm not, but I want you to want We have our papers to ready to turn oh, in. We've already, we've already filled out the papers. Yeah. It, it, yeah, I'm excited for you. I'm excited for you. It's going to be fantastic. Um, 
because you can't help but meet Jesus there in, in everybody's face, in the nature, in all of it. It's hard to put into words, like, that feeling of wanting to meet, like, wanting what other people have and, like, yeah. that moment when you when you meet him yeah. and you just finally, like, get it, like the light bulb, yeah. co- you know? <laughs> Like, it's kind of hard to put into words. It, it is. When the, well, then, after that weekend that I got really involved in Emmaus and um, loved every bit of it, and then I discovered Kairos, which is a prison ministry like Emmaus. And that was life-changing for me. I, I thought I was going to be going into the prisons and helping these other women, you know. Um but before Kairos, I never thought about people that were in prison. They were in prison. They belonged there. You know, I don't care about them. Mm-hmm. And that's basically how I felt. Um, they deserve to be where they are. Well, I think that. you have good reasoning to think that too, <laughs> out of what happened in your life. Yeah. Isn't it weird how God pushed you back into Isn't that ministry? That? Isn't that? You know, He's I hilarious mean... sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that, that's a whole different part of God being hilarious is he has a wonderful sense of humor oh, he does. and yeah. uses it on me all the time. Oh, he uses it on us too. <laughs> and I love that part. I love that part because I learned how to laugh at myself. Too. Mm-hmm. But while I was um, a team member in Kairos, I, and I worked Kairos for about 10 years and you had um, two weekends a year, kind of like a mess. So, it was amazing to see what God did in those three days mm-hmm. to witness, you know, and, and you, when you start off working on a team in Kairos, you start off like in the kitchen, then you can work at the table and then you can work at a math table. You, you work your way up to leading a weekend and that's what I did. So I was able to lead a weekend And um, when I got up to get my testimony, for one thing, I could identify with these women that I never thought that I could that you would be just like me, mm-hmm. only they got caught. Now, some of them were in there for murder. Uh, there was a really young girl. I think she was like 16 and she was 13 when she killed her grandparents. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. So... Um, but we, we never asked, what are you in for? Mm -hmm. That wasn't important. Um, they came in not knowing what was going to happen. They just heard that there was going to be really good food (laughs) and that was a draw. Seriously. (laughs) We know more people come on Wednesday night because of the food. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Hey, if that's what it takes to get them in the doors is feed them. That's right. Well, see, we had to spend one meal eating what they ate. We ate in their cafeteria. Oh wow! It was not it's fit disgusting. For human dis- it, it, it was not fit to eat. It was Isn't not that terrible? So what we were told to do ahead of time is to just kind of you know talk to them and stir your stuff around and kind of spread it out. Yeah, <laughs> and you take a bite and stuff. Um, so they have they have that, and uh, so when we bring in food, that's just a treat. It's tremendous. Um, from Thursday, when they come in, some of them have attitudes, 
Some were scared looking, not knowing what was going to happen. And by Saturday, we had a forgiveness ceremony. And since that time, I have done this forgiveness ceremony in conferences, uh, in my own family. Mm -hmm. It's tremendous. I'd love to do it for you guys too. I would love to do we it. Will, we'll take that up. <laughs> um, maybe your group or something, mm -hmm. but we'll talk about that later. Okay. <laughs> anyway, the, the, the change in them, you know, and we, we got in tables and discussed there would be pe people speaking and we'd discuss what their testimony was and stuff. And um, because I was from California, they thought that that was big stuff for some reason. People think you're so fancy because you lived there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I lived up in the north part where it's beautiful and pretty conservative and stuff and, and, uh, and no fancy stuff. But they think that about you. I do. But when I told them, um, one of my testimonies um, before I was a leader was um, about identifying with the woman at the well. Mm -hmm. And I said, I saw myself there. Mm -hmm. um, I kind of outdid her, but I knew exactly what, what he said to her is what I felt mm -hmm. is he already knew. And so that just took away the shame and all um, because God forgave me that. And I, so then I could share that with others and the women would come up to me and, and identify and um, go, wow. You know, <laughs> it, it, it it's spectacular. It just, it just warmed my heart and, and God was in it all the way and just mm -hmm. kept telling me you're doing just exactly what I want you to do is love them right where mm -hmm. they are. So on the weekend that I led, I gave my testimony, um, pretty much my life. And, um, and then I found myself telling them, you know, my, my husband was murdered in 1968 and that was decades ago. And I never thought about the men that were responsible. Never. Then I just put them out of my mind. They were in prison. That's where they belong. I could care less, which is worse than hating them mm -hmm. because not caring is a sin. Wow. That's powerful. Like I've never thought about it that way. Like, yeah, it's not like caring the, about them and where they're at. Right, it's, it's kind of like than, being on the fence about your faith and stuff. Yeah, you're either in it or you're not in it. Mm -hmm. You don't be sitting, you know, and yeah, one foot over on this side, one foot over on this side. You're either in it or you're not in it. And so, I was at that point where I just I didn't care until I saw what happens in prison mm -hmm. and what they go through. And that they're people just like me. Mm -hmm. And I didn't get caught. I mean, I didn't, <laughs> you know, drinking and driving mm -hmm. was just natural for me because I thought I could do it. And, you know, but if somebody had pulled me over, I'd have probably been in jail, not in prison, but in jail. Yeah. Um, but then I could have killed somebody. It, it, it's just like 
You don't know the extent of what you're doing until you get caught. That's exactly right. Exactly. When I think and we all so, take it for granted. It's so funny, too, that we just assume that every person in prison is like this terrible person. Like they're all that just like us that made like one or two decisions. Or that, that could have just been their worst day and they got caught on their was worst a slippery day. slope that led them yeah. to something bad. Like they're just like, yeah, I mean. And a lot of blue collar, you know, mm -hmm. um, where they took money from work and stuff like that. But these were mothers and grandmothers and and people. I mean, mm -hmm. you saw faces and they were real and they mattered. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, what I told them uh, about these men was that I had never thought about them. They were in prison. That's where they belonged. You know, just like you guys. That's what I thought of you before. Mm -hmm. I entered the prison and kind of lived this life with you. Um, so I said, what I want to do when I leave here is find those men that killed my husband. I just want you to know that. I'm and when that came out of your mouth, were you like shocked and I, I was, and scared? It wasn't and on like, my paper, but <laughs> yeah, you were like, no for anything. God was like, got gotcha you again, Pam. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was, you know, so and that's the whole reason he sent you into that ministry. I mean, I'm I'm sure there were many blessings to come out of it, but that was his goal was to get you to realize thought, that. Who would have thought I was going to find myself there? And and. And in the beginning, I mean, the first few years, I didn't correlate that, you know, well, I'm doing this now so that I can do this. Right. I was just doing this because I loved it. And I loved it, what God was doing with these women with just a few hours and, and just talking to them and letting them know that you love them. It doesn't matter, you know, loving them like Christ does. And it, you were just listening to what easy. God laid on your heart. Yeah. Yeah, and then afterwards I thought, what am I going to do? Now i got to find these men. <laughs> okay, God. Do? I had no idea where they were. I mean, we're talking, you know, probably four years or so that they'd been in prison, if they were still in prison. I don't know if they were alive or dead. I mean, I had not cared. And so I got on YouTube. I shouldn't say this because you Which was how long? <laughs> which was how long after? About three years. Okay, yeah. So let me ask you something about that briefly. Why did it take you three years to decide to make the YouTube video? Were you trying other routes to find them, or were you trying to say, You're "God, like, were God, you do I really got to do this? God, do I really have to do this? What was that process? Were yeah. you trying to process it inside of you and think, "Okay, how am I going? If I find them, what am I going to do? How is this going to work?" No, I hadn't even thought that far ahead because I hadn't planned it. <laughs> And to do that. Okay. But so when God tells you to do something, um, you try to just put it on the back burner till you're ready, but it doesn't go away. And so every so often he would remind me, you know, you promised those women, but I don't know where they are. I don't know where to find, you know, so I get up on it. Ray had gone to bed and I was, um, <laughs> upstairs he's like oh lord what's she doing up there yeah. <laughs> i want to make sure you sleep it so i got on youtube and um i had to look up their names in old newspapers 
little articles that uh-huh. I had because I didn't remember who they were, what their names were. I mean, I just didn't carry that with me. Right. I had to get on with my life with my kids and stuff. So I didn't dwell on that kind of thing. And so um, I got on YouTube and I, I, I really look at that YouTube down. It was really pathetic. <laughs> you say that about yourself all the time. I don't like that. It was anyway, I, I just said, you know, um, I'm trying to find you and I don't know where you are, but I, I want to tell you that I forgive you. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what else I said, but I droned on. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, somebody answered that. How crazy is that? I know. Like, well, I mean, it's like, it's not crazy because it's God. It's God, but. He made you do it so he was going to find a way for it to happen. But like, it's just, without him, that would not have happened. That's I mean, like a needle in the haystack. Yeah. Kind of thing. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Yeah. She, she was like, I'm going to make this she video was, and no one's going to see that's it. That's right. She was like, God, I'm listening to you because I know if I make this video. I tried, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, how, so somebody answered it. So somebody answered it and said that they knew where so-and-so was. I can't remember which one he said. And then he said, you know, I think he said that they were at Pelican Bay, which is like Rikers Island mm-hmm. in New York, where really bad guys go. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he said, you might start with, and then he he gave me some options about how to find them. So I had no more excuse. <laughs> All right, I'm doing this. So I found them. And so this was... You only found two of the three, right? Yeah, because one died. Right, okay. Got out of prison and died. Yeah. That's what I heard. Now, I I don't have anything to verify that. Right. um, Other than prison talk and how that travels and stuff. So um, (laughs) it it does from prison to prison. That is so crazy. (sighs) It does. So um, this was... Oh, I think like 2014 Hmm. and um, I got an address and they have a prison number. So you have to have all this information on the envelope and that tells you what you can, you can't put in. So So I just, um, I think I wrote both of them. I, I wrote one in October in 2013 I think um his name is in the book I can't remember but um I didn't hear anything back but it was just a letter of forgiveness that you know you wanted um, them to know that you forgave them right telling them how it affected my family Mm -hmm. and my children who grew up without a dad and um then I just let them know that I forgave them whether they wanted to be forgiven or not. And that if they wanted to be forgiven by God, they needed to ask him uh-huh. to forgive them. So I didn't hear from this one. Um, and then I wrote another one to Dennis. And um, same thing I wrote to him. And I got a letter back. I wrote it in July, I think, of 2014. And um, 
he wrote me back in August. And I have that. I think the letter is in my book. It is so profound. Um, let me see if I can find it. I'll here. look for it while you oh, okay. continue. Anyway, I was sitting on my front porch. Um, I had taught a stained glass class. Um, it was a Saturday. And so we were all sitting on the front porch eating lunch. And uh, Ray went and got the mail from the post office. And he hands me this letter when he got back. And it said from the state prison in California. And I, I started trembling. I thought, wow. So I opened the envelope and I started to read it. And I couldn't. I, I handed it to Ray to read and share it with the girls that were sitting on the porch with us. I, I couldn't read it. It was so heartfelt. Hmm. Um, that I knew, but didn't say anything, that I had to meet him. Don't you love those feelings, too, where it's like, you know you've got to do something. Those like feel that don't make any sense, yeah. but you know that you've got to, you've got to act on. Yeah, this, that. this letter was so sincere and heartfelt that I knew he was telling the truth. Okay, wow. I'm gonna read it. Okay, okay. good because Hold I on. won't be able to. <laughs> okay, so this is the letter that he sent to you after you reached out, reached out to him. Dear Miss Edison Mann, your July 16th, 2015 gracious letter of forgiveness brought to the surface an incredible heartfelt remorse I have carried so many years for bringing so much pain, grief, and loss to you and your family. Through the years, so many times, I wanted to write and express my apology and remorse for the senseless act of taking Ken's life and igniting the path of your family's life with the fire of so much pain. However, I felt by writing you, I would reopen the wound I caused, thereby exposing you to more pain. Having read your letter, I know now, long ago, I should have written that letter. Your bravery in bearing through my, the misery I caused and your gracious act of forgiveness cast a huge shadow upon my human cowardice. Although I am not worthy of your forgiveness, as an old man of few words with the heaviest of hearts, I shall carry mm -hmm. to my grave the sorrow and remorse for what I have done to Miss Mr. Voraz, you and your family. In the utmost admiration of your state of grace, I remain in eternal penance. Signed, Dennis. Wow. He might have should have been a writer too. That is. <laughs> well, the the story behind that I found out later was he had a good friend in prison who wrote that for him. He said the words and, and mm -hmm. he, be, yeah, because his friend could spell and, you know, was educated and he didn't feel he was educated. So, but he okay. And he wrote this from prison still, yes. but, in, but was not in prison for what he, was he still in prison for what he had done to Ken or was it yes. for something else? He, he was still in prison. He was 
he said he was given the death penalty, but I don't think so. It, it, and if he had, because I didn't go to his trial, my brothers did. Um, if he had, I, I think California at one time um, took away the death penalty, but I mean, he was still in prison. So for life. For life. Yeah. You know what's amazing about that to me, or what I hear when I listen to that, is that your offer of forgiveness broke something in him for him to be able to forgive himself and then reach. And so oftentimes we don't offer forgiveness and it keeps the other person from being able to look at themselves mm -hmm. and even forgive themselves mm -hmm. and how forgiveness just, if you, when you hold on to things, you. it, yeah, it leaves both of you stuck in this, it does. this it does. grip of things and how sometimes if we'll just let forgiveness go and offer it, it free, it only, it not only frees you. Cause, and a lot of times that's what we think when we forgive somebody that it's just For us. me. Yeah. But that it also allows somebody else, the other person to. Well, guys, we hope that you enjoyed this first part of, um, Mrs. Pam's story about her journey to offer forgiveness. There is another episode coming that will just um, wrap up the story and give you um, the ending to such a beautiful, a beautiful broken heart and how she gave forgiveness and also found forgiveness and, and what it did not only for this gentleman, but for her as well. So tune back in next week to hear the conclusion of Mrs. Pam's journey to find forgiveness. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Until next time. Bye.